Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today, I'm here with Dave Young, an entrepreneur, business coach, and the co-host of Builder Nuggets Podcast. We're discussing the visionary curse of the entrepreneur. We cover topics such as imposter syndrome and how to get over it, how to partner with people to bring your big ideas to life, the power of vulnerability, and how to leverage it to solve problems and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Dave. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you making the time. Hey, Mark. I'm, uh, I've been enjoying my chats with you so far and, and just looking forward to digging a little deeper on some of the stuff we've been talking about together. And what I'd love to just piggyback on that and jump right in. One thing that really resonated with me that you brought up is the visionary's curse, especially with entrepreneurs. What is the story behind that? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's interesting. It's, uh, I came to the... I came up with that after sort of my own struggles and dealing with uh, dealing with uh, a, a little bit of an imposter syndrome that I I was developing and just trying to dig into why I was frustrated of, about certain things and and I'll just walk that back to the beginning a little bit and, and share you know sort of what I what I do. Uh, and, and why this may be helpful to, uh, to others. My background, uh, I'm a business coach. I'm an ideas guy, um, host of a podcast in the construction industry. And for years and years, I've been really focused on ideas, dreams, concepts, theories, strategy. And because I like to communicate these ideas and they're you know, fun to talk about with people, I would do that often. And what I found was starting to happen is I was really good at developing ideas and coming up with strategies, but really struggled when it came to taking action. I was not a good implementer of ideas. So I had lots of good ideas, lots of things that I would get excited about, share with people. And then I would get frustrated because I didn't know where to start. These ideas weren't happening. And some, some things outside of that started happening as well. I noticed uh, it, it it's particularly memorable for me at a time I was talking to somebody close and sharing another one of my ideas and concepts. And he said to me, look, man, don't even tell me about this. I'm sick of hearing about stuff that you're not going to do. Mm. And so that's in a way, in a large way, a punch in the gut. Uh, but in the other way, an appreciated wake up call, because that made me really take pause and say, my first reaction was like, okay, well, I'm not going to tell him anything again. And then I realized, well, no, he's right. You know, I have all these ideas. I'm, I'm not doing as much as I could. I felt like I wasn't living up to my true potential. And I think that a lot of other entrepreneurs, especially if they're the visionary side of things, or more, you know, when I say visionary, more focused on future, driving change, strategy, you know, that, that type of stuff. Uh, I, I think they get caught up in, in this and start to feel like they're living a, a fantasy world and are trapped and frustrated that things aren't happening fast enough. And that's something that I used to say all the time. Wow, I have this idea. I want to get going on it. I might've got it started, but why isn't it happening? Why isn't it going fast enough? And then you're off to the next one. And, and it just feels like you can't get anything done really, really well. And other people will point it out to you. And despite the fact that I was outwardly successful you know i had enough of my things going on and stuff that i had started previously was was working 
from the outside looking in, everybody thinks, wow, that guy's got it going on. It's successful. But inward, inwardly, I felt like I was suffering from this curse. And, and part of it was I was starting to wonder if I was delusional, <laughs> which is a funny thing to say, but I think this can really happen. When you have these ideas and you're, and you're an idea-focused person and you tell them, you get a certain uh, emotional reaction, a certain mental reaction. It's almost like a chemical stimulus in your brain where you are feeling something. You're really feeling something. You're excited about telling the idea and thinking about the idea. Mm -hmm. And because you're getting that hit of dopamine or some sort of endorphin, or <laughs> whatever idea, it you know, is, whatever the heck that sensation is, it becomes almost like a, a drug and you're less compelled to make it happen. So I started to dig into some of this and try to understand why I was not doing this stuff. Like, why was it, why wasn't it happening? And when I was forced to do more action oriented items, more integrator type execution items, I was finding myself procrastinating on those, not enjoying them, not doing them well or doing them at the last minute. So, uh, I, I a pivotal moment for me was, you know, my business partner and I, uh, he introduced me, Dwayne, he's my partner on the, on the podcast and in um, Allaire Homes in North Carolina as well. He introduced me to EOS and by uh, Gino Wickman in the book Traction. And I started to learn about the relationship between the visionary and the integrator. And I realized wow, there's two different personality types. One really thrives on coming up with the ideas, the vision, the mission, exciting things to, to work towards. And the other one doesn't have that vision. That's the integrator, doesn't necessarily have that vision, is looking for exciting things to do. And there's a really good dynamic there. So I encourage anybody to go out and read Traction or Rocket Fuel and, and understand that. And we went on to implement EOS into our, uh, our multiple businesses. And it's proven to be a, a really great framework. So combination of that, uh, reading the book, Who Not How by Ben Hardy and Dan Sullivan, another pivotal one. It, you know, it talked about how for years in school and throughout society, we've been taught to work on our weaknesses. And it's actually completely the opposite. We should be working on our strengths. So if your strength is ideation and futurism and strategy, you should be working on that. You should not be learning how to be a, you know, a better operations person. There's, that's not in your wheelhouse. It's not going to be fulfilling to you. So Actually, that, without a partner, some people listening, maybe they don't have the partner yet. Yeah. What did you do is once, once you recognize I'm a visionary and you, what you did, everything you just said, you recognize it. What did you do personally to shift to actually get more done? Was it simply you had to get a partner or were you able to somehow become, you know, a micro integrator until you found one for yourself? Yeah. So I had already started, you know, I had already had, I had already started putting those resources onto my team and it was, but the way that I was doing it was different. So previously I hired somebody to do the crap I didn't want to do right? It was like, I got to do this stuff. I'm just going to, I need somebody else to just do it. And that was the, that was sort of the first, what was happening before, because I recognized I wasn't, I wasn't doing it well. It wasn't fulfilling to me. And I just like, Hey, I'm going to outsource that or bring somebody onto my team to do it. But I literally saw it as the stuff that I didn't want to do. Um, I didn't see it as an opportunity. And there's a, there's a key differentiator 
there. But the, the other part, like I think that's important here as well is I went, I, I took uh, a Colby test to learn about my own personality and where my energy, where I'm happiest, what, what way my energy should be used. And I combined that with a Clifton Strengths Finder test that ranks of your, you know, they have 34 strengths and it ranks them. So it really helps you to understand, hey, this is how I'm wired. This is, these are areas that I need to focus on because sometimes you just don't know what that is sometimes. And it's a bit of a fun discovery about yourself. And maybe, you know, I had some discoveries in there too, where it was like, for example, empathy, I thought I was high on empathy and I was like bottom two thirds and it got to lead to discussions. Why? But what happened in going through that and then putting the team members that I was already working with through those things, you really develop an appreciation of what the other person's strengths are, how they needed to be communicated uh, with, uh, what they value, where their energy should be going. And if you don't understand that about yourself, then it's very, very hard for you to have that relatability to the, to the other people on your team. So encourage anybody, you know, it's a really worthwhile investment to go out and find out where your team's strengths are and, and what motivates them, what will create them to be super driven, committed, passionate mm -hmm. people. And then I get to focus on my key, key role, which is creating opportunity for them exciting projects for them to work on meaningful work because the the opposite of the visionary curse the implementers sort of challenge or curse or however, however you want to look at it is for somebody who prides himself on doing a lot of tasks and doing them well they want those tasks to be meaningful they want to have personal impact they want the mission to be something that they believe in you could take an implementer type personality or, you know, somebody who really likes to do their work and check the boxes and, and, and follow things step by step in that type of way. If they're in a boring job, they might be good at it, but to them, if it doesn't have meaning, if it doesn't have purpose, then they don't feel like they're making a contribution. They don't feel like it's being valued. And then that's when you get into the, the roles of somebody just showing up, punching the clock, ticking boxes. That's no fun for anybody. So uh, highly worthwhile to dig into that. And then as, as a leader of a company, you know, looking at, all right, where are we going? What are we doing? How do I communicate that? How do I make sure that my team understands all of that? Um, so that's, it's a powerful combination. When once you start understanding each other, you start to value each other. You start to find things for each other and it no longer feels like passing the buck. Part of EOS is uh, something called delegation and elevation and we had a problem initially with the word delegate because delegation feels like you have power over somebody and you're telling them something to do and it's got a bit of that passing the buck feel but we just swapped it in our leadership team and now it's elevate and delegate so we focus first on elevating the person or making sure that any task that they're going to be doing that they have the ability to do it they're passionate about doing it they've got you know, all the right skill sets to go along with it and that they wanna do that where, where possible, like 90% of the time, you're not gonna have it perfect. But so we elevate first and then, and then delegation is easy. It just, it falls into place. It's something that they want to take on that they're excited about. And when you have a whole team that is doing this, 
and looking out for each other, then everybody gets elevated and you have a culture of a, a culture of elevation and ultimately the business owner or the other leaders of the company or uh, you know the leadership team you all get elevated as well because your clients are getting an elevated experience your third-party affiliates are getting an elevated experience or in the construction industry you're, you're delivering an unbelievable experience to your trade partners and your suppliers like every interaction you're focused on elevating the um, them ultimately the whole mission is is elevated so with that being the big picture taking it back a little bit you and i had talked about vulnerability how yeah. do you balance i'm successful you know you should work with me with here are my weaknesses maybe it, that's how you find an integrator is you have to admit and be vulnerable i i'm not good at this maybe you can help me or i'm not good at this maybe i could work on myself how do you balance showing that you're good at something with being vulnerable and not letting people think, Oh God, I don't want to work with this person. Right. Yeah. So there's a real courage that comes with vulnerability and it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, Dwayne and I on builder nuggets, we just recorded, uh, this week, an episode, um, called the dumbest, the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, if you're constantly going into smarter and smarter rooms, it's great to be the, it's great to be the dumbest person in the world were in the room because you're getting the opportunity to learn so much. And you also have then the freedom because you're new there or because everybody else knows more and you don't necessarily get it all. You have the freedom with very little expectation at, at, at the outset to just share what you don't know or to be genuine about that. And and a really interesting human thing happens when somebody comes in and we'll leave that room for a second, but in any situation that you're in, if you're sitting around the boardroom or at the tailgate or wherever you're meeting and collaborating with a group of people, if somebody stands up and does a presentation and they present, you know, what they, what they know to be true, what they believe to be true and everything is right. And they have full conviction about this. People don't necessarily put up their hands and, and volunteer to say, I won't, okay, well, what about this? What about this? They're maybe sitting back with their arms crossed listening, but there's very little engagement when you have that level of certainty and somebody broadcasting that they know all these things. If you switch that and you, and this is where you bridge those things and you say, you combine them. Dan Sullivan would, he has a certainty, uncertainty exercise. You combine them and say, all right, this is what the market data is telling me. This is where, this is the idea that I have. This is where I'm, this is where I'm going. And this is what I'm, I'm pretty sure about these four things. Now there's these three things that are presenting challenges to us meeting this goal. Uh, what, how would you go about, how would you go about solving them? And the engagement that you get by presenting your uncertainties instead mm -hmm. of your focusing on uncertainties instead of certainties is amazing. The same thing goes when you're dividing up responsibilities or looking at who should do what on your team. And there's, you know, all sorts of great tools you can use to look at this. But um, if you sit down with your team members and you're always putting on that face of bravado and you're not giving them the opportunity to, to, to take things on, they're not going to know. They're going to see it from the outside and make assumptions. But if you say, all right, I'm really struggling with, here's three things that I'm really struggling with. 
I'm struggling with getting, you know, audits done on time. I'm, I'm really having a hard time with um, putting comments in, in around analyzing accounting or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Somebody is going to raise their hand and say, well, well, why don't I take, you know, why don't I take some of that uh, from you? But you start to create that type of culture, then it's easy to sit down the rest of the team. You know, I, I've shared with my team, listen, I'm really struggling with these things. I'm, I'm not doing a good job here. This is where I've made all my mistakes in the past. I think the company could be doing better if I wasn't doing this. Who do you know? Who should we look at doing this instead of what do I do about it? Or what do you do about it? We just start talking who, um, who would be the best person to do this. And oftentimes you'll have multiple volunteers saying, well, I could take part of it. Michael say, well, I'll, I'll take that. And Kate will say, well, why don't I do that? And then there'll be something where I'll just, you know, in our team now, I'll say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, this. And they'll say, well, Dave, why are you doing that? You let us take care of that. And you focus on this. And now this is an amazing situation to be in because I have my team leading me. And that's where you want to get to. I mean, if you want to grow a culture of leadership, you have to be able to accept leadership and let your people have a voice with you, especially when they're more skilled with you than you in a certain area and they understand the mission. If someone doesn't have a team, tell me if I'm on track here. I think I yeah, am. Yeah. They could have with what you just described, everything about it. You could have one-on-one, -on -one, be courageous, have one-on-one -on -one conversations. Here's where I'm falling short. Can you help me? Yes. Or maybe even a mastermind group, an informal one to say, hey, get five or six people together. We're all going to go over what we're working on, how we can help. But being courageous enough to be vulnerable and say, here's what I'm not good at. Here's what I need help with. So you don't necessarily have to have a team it's great when you do, of course, obviously, yeah. but the solopreneur, the co-founder, they could also do this in different ways. Sure. And that you may, you raised some really good options there. So one of them is go get some business coaching, right? It's easier one-on-one -on -one when you're going to get a business coach and going to interview business coaches and learning about them. It's easier to be vulnerable behind closed doors with a group of one, with a professional that's used to talking to uh, another business owner that has challenges. It's harder when you go to, you know, um, a group collaborating collaboration meeting to sit down. And, and we used to see this with home builders associations. They would get together and everybody would talk about what was working. Nobody was talking about what wasn't working. There was the odd industry thing where they would talk about, well, there's this challenge and this challenge, but nobody, you know, everything was always fine or, you know, everything's good. You know, we're busy. It's, nothing is happening there. So yeah, getting in with collaborative groups that want to like roll up their sleeves and work on the things that they're doing, that they're having challenges with, that's really important. And try it sometime. Like if you've been belong to like some sort of business network or anything like that, and, and it's your turn to sit up, stand up and say what you're excited about or what you worked on this week, you know, flip the script on that a little bit and say, you know what, I've been coming here and, you know, telling you guys about the momentum we've had, but I've really been struggling with this. I'm having a hard time attracting key talent. I just I'm not a gifted writer. I'm not, I'm not sure how to, how to present ourselves in our, in our marketing. And I, and I'm, I think we could really grow a lot quicker if I could just attract the, the right key people and we, or, you know, the right person, if you're by yourself. And you would be amazed at how many people in those rooms want to share with you 
their ideas or connect you with somebody. But if you come out and you say, you know, and make it, you know, and just say, you know, finding key people is hard and talk about a problem. It's not vulnerable. It's something that's going on. But if you tell them how it's impacting your business, that it's a challenge and that you're not good at it, you will have a bunch of people reach out to you. So those are, those are, a, those are a couple, you know, good ideas, your ideas there of how to, uh, how to get involved and maybe a little bit of an example on uh, how, to, how to do it. Well, in closing with everything we've spoken about, if someone's listening, they say, you know, I like a lot about what you said and they're going to have the usual, you know, I'm busy. I could do right. one thing. I can do one thing. If, if someone comes up with that, what would you say if, as far as overcoming the visionary's curse, there's one thing I'll do to get started. What would you tell them to do? Oh, there isn't. Well, <laughs> it, it's so hard, you know, because for mine was like, it almost sounds like a program, a four-step program. But for me, you know, I think I would, I think the first thing is be real with yourself. Get to know yourself. Invest in yourself first. Go do a Colby test. Do your Clifton Strengths Finder so that you can understand where it is you should be spending your energy, what you're passionate about, maybe even do an inventory of what you should be working on in your business. Like what gives you fulfillment? What am I good at? What do I love to do? Anything else goes into different boxes and we can dig into that another time, but anything else goes into, into boxes. So do that self-inventory, self-analysis first. And once you see that, then you'll know what challenges you have to solve. And the, the other thing I would say with this is be okay with what you learn because that's who you are. There's, there's a lot of stigma out there around, you know, especially in the construction industry, you know, so there's the tough guy mode. It's like, you know, you, you're not supposed to talk about stuff. It's, it's hard nosed, right? And you're supposed to be good at everything. You're supposed to want to roll up your sleeves and get into the dirt. And that's fine if you're, you know, actually rolling up your sleeves and getting into the dirt, but it doesn't need to be who you are if your job is something within the organization or as the leader of the company is something, uh, something different. So a few different things there. Learn, learn about yourself, mm -hmm. be, be okay with yourself. Uh, and then once you've done that exercise, you'll see all the things you shouldn't be doing. Don't, don't say to yourself, okay, how the heck am I going to do all that? Look at it through the who lens and say, who do I need to do that? And there are a variety of who's. Who can be a technology? Maybe you need a piece of technology that, to, to help you with one of those pieces. Maybe you need to hire somebody. Maybe you need to outsource to a third party because you can't afford to bring somebody on full team, full time, uh, because you don't have the revenue yet or you're starting up. What are the small things you can start to outsource that becomes really really valuable and if you find yourself like this is something about me personally i didn't i didn't realize i knew that i was always chasing different ideas and doing a whole bunch of things at once and that was stifling my ability to to do more and think clearly and you know chasing squirrels everybody joked around with but if you find yourself really distracted constantly uh I had someone from my family come to me to say, hey, they were just diagnosed with adult ADHD. And this is the test I did. And knowing you, I did it sort of in my head with your responses and you're, you're kind of off the charts. You should maybe look into this. So I did and I got diagnosed. And, and I can tell you that, that Vyvanse can be a who 
for you as well. Like if you need, if you find that there's something like that that you need, whether or possibly it could be something like talking to somebody who gives professional advice about how you're feeling, a therapist or whatever, whatever. There's other elements that you can put in there, but it, it comes down to what what you have the courage to try. What do you want to learn about? Where do you where do you want to where do you want to go for that? It's this Got is it. just sort of my version of it, right? And it's helped the, the combination of all of those um, things with the exception of I haven't tried therapy, although coaching and, you know, is therapeutic in itself. And I get a lot of coaching. So it's very similar to therapy, surrounding yourself with other people who value your skill and what you bring is huge. And when they do, you will, how much you value what they bring to the table because of the things that they're clearing off and freeing you up. It's, it's a pretty awesome combination and a great spot to get to. And uh, I don't know that anybody ever gets a hundred percent there, but the steps that we've taken our team that we've, we've built, uh, it, it just feels amazing to work together and have so much trust in them. And I, I I'm providing our, our team is providing such a higher level of experience to those that we interact with. Um, it's amazing. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. It's, it's fun to be here. And, uh, explore this stuff and, and dig into each other's brains. And before we go, if someone wants to find you online, what's the best way to go about it? Yeah, sure. I'm on uh, LinkedIn, Dave Young 13. And uh, if you want to follow the podcast or, or listen to a few episodes, it's called Builder Nuggets. You can, uh, we're anywhere you get your uh, listen to podcast. People tell us we should have called it Business Nuggets because it's more about building business than it is about construction so don't let the name uh fool you if you're not a builder just consider yourself a business builder and uh yeah builder nuggets is also on uh instagram and facebook as well excellent thank you so much yeah appreciate it man thank you for joining us today i hope you enjoyed the episode i also hope that you'll subscribe to the idea climbing podcast and rate us on itunes Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.